Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach. Today, I have the honor and pleasure of welcoming uh, a man who's, <laughs> he's literally run the miles. Uh, it's uh, someone who works in leadership development. He started in human resources in the Silicon Valley, um, and he's done uh, endurance running. What he brings to uh, institutions and organizations is uh, literally epic. And without saying more, I will welcome Brian Gillette. Thank you for joining us. Well, Dr. P, it is a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, it turns out, I think one of the reasons that I wanted to, to have you on the show is um, you and I do such similar things. And and it's a way of saying that the world, it's like, this is, there's an abundance out there. It's not like, oh, we do similar things and I can't have you on the show. We do similar things. And um, it's, a, it's a way of modeling, I think, for the audience that you can build and lift people in your, in your arena, um, knowing that either you're going to create a collaboration of some sort, or you're going to come at things from a different uh, direction, getting to the same place. And that that's, that's great because you, people get to choose. Like there's a variety for everybody. I also found out that you and I are both Aggies. You got your degree at Davis. So talk a little bit about um, what got you into leadership development uh, you came through human resources. I have a HR background as well, uh, as, and organization development background as well. So I want to talk about like your journey, right? Yeah. The, the journey of Brian Gillette. So well, it's, 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 a, <laughs> it's a pleasure to have the conversation and, and kind of going back to what you started talking about is a collaborate is there's there's enough business for for both of us for all of us to be out out doing things and and why I like being on shows like you or connecting with people like you is I can learn and I can learn a tremendous it's like how you do something how you handle a problem how you come at a, a, a situation and so that's good it's helpful for me and I and I think I can do the same of others and if both of us are learning we raise up the whole industry and it Agreed. makes it can make both of us look better so <laughs> I uh, I appreciate that I want to just jump in real quick this is like for the audience, what you're going to see potentially, and we haven't done this yet, uh, you might, you, we might, uh, the idea of a mastermind is, according to Napoleon Hill, right, from Think and Grow Rich, the idea there is um, the sharing of ideas to be able to create even greater ideas. Yeah. And the way I define it is if I had a dollar and Brian had a dollar and we traded dollars, we'd each still have a dollar. And yet, if I have an idea and he has an idea and we trade ideas, then we have not just two ideas that we've shared, but those two ideas spark 
three, 30, 40, 100 ideas. So um, that is the idea of, of collaboration, of, of uh, sharing and, and building is the mastermind that may just happen right here on the show. It, well, now we have to kind of head towards that direction, huh? And, <laughs> and, and, as, and I know we'll talk about Epic as we get into it. And the C yeah. of Epic stands for collaborate. And we can, we can get Indeed. into that in a little bit. But kind of my, my background. So I, I, had, I hadn't realized you were an Aggie. So it's, uh, it's good to be a, a fellow Aggie. I got my undergraduate degree there in organizational behavior and uh, in communication. So that was many years ago. Um, <laughs> and and I, I remember... Oh, probably about 10 years ago, my wife and I went up to the campus. We we were driving up through Sacramento because I'm in the Bay Area and we were driving up. Actually, I think we were heading up to Tahoe and we wanted to stop by the campus because we hadn't been on the campus for a long time. And and we're walking around the campus. And I said to my wife, I said, what are all these kids doing on the campus? <laughs> and, and I realized they they were the students. We yeah. have just gotten older, and and so it's like yeah. okay, I, I've got to shift my perspective, and and now I have a a high schooler that's starting to look at colleges. So uh, think things have gone, time has gone by quickly. It's true, and the town has changed incredibly. Yes, yeah. So I, um, I actually I started in I, I, you know out, coming out of college, I went and worked for a financial services company, and and went through at the time there were a lot of companies that had management training programs. And this was a phenomenal program. I, I started connecting up with people in the leadership development and the training development space and really enjoyed working with them and partnering with them. And that's that's kind of how I got into the, the leadership development space uh, and training and development. And I remember having a conversation with one of my early mentors because I was thinking about getting my master's. And I said to him, I said, you know, I'm thinking about getting my master's. Should I get my MBA or should I go in and get like a master's in organizational development? And he steered me towards the MBA. He goes, if you're going to be going into leadership development, he goes, get your MBA because then you'll have a good perspective of of what a, a business leader has to deal with. And so I, I'm not an expert in finance or in marketing, but at least I understand some of the issues. And so I went down and I went and got my uh, my MBA um, and then started to kind of grow in the leadership development space, ran a couple of leadership development functions. Um, and I fortunately, I had another really good mentor who and and boss who I still stay in touch with to this day. And he got me involved in different aspects of human resources. So I, I went from the leadership development space, kind of broadened my human resources space, and then eventually went on and was a vice president for um, in a technology company in, in HR. Um, and, and then probably about 11 years ago, I decided, all right, I want to go out on my own. I want that flexibility and started up my own leadership development consulting practice. And I, I really focus in two areas. One is exec kind of one-on-one -on -one coaching with leaders. And then the other one is facilitating kind of team building or executive retreats, kind of pulling people together and and trying to get them aligned. And and that's you know if I can get people aligned around things, that will make uh, make their their life a whole lot better. That's so great. It's exactly. I mean, that's what that's what it's about is uh, getting very clear on what matters. That's part yeah. of 
cutting through to what matters most. Uh, it's part of what what this is about. Um, why I named the show that is often people aren't clear about what matters. Often leaders aren't clear about being able to make that statement. And if they're not clear about what matters to them, either personally and or for the company, they aren't going to get people lining up behind them going, oh, I'm with you. Um, charisma goes so far. I'm with you no matter what you say. You know, I, I believe in you. Uh, is, is That only goes so far. I believe in the cause. I believe in where we're headed. I believe in wanting to build this vision that you just talked about. Mm -hmm. That's a very different statement. That's what leadership development is. So uh, getting uh, getting alignment is uh, huge. I, you know, and it's I, I'm, I'm not sure what you see and love to kind of uh, hear about what you see. But I often get a, a leader or some an HR exec will call me up and says, hey, Brian, we have this communication issue between you know manager a and employee b and and i got my i have my undergraduate degree in communications and i don't know what that means when i hear it when somebody says we have a communication issue because it is so broad yeah but most of the time what what it comes out to be is we have unclear expectations we have an alignment issue where you know, the manager hasn't been clear to the employee about what he or she expects, what, you know, what the vision is. You talked about vision. Yeah. And so I, I see most of the time, it's like, if you can get those two people aligned around expectations, around the direction, you've solved a big part of the, the problem. I'd be interested to hear if, you know, kind of what you see as well. Yeah, thank you. I, this is great. I, uh, you know, the, the flow of the show changes depending on who's on. And I really, I appreciate this conversation. Yeah. So um, exponential success has three V's, right? The, like when I talk about exponential success, it's values, it's vision and it's vitality. It's what energy you bring to it. Now, my, I got my start. I, my background is clinical psych. And I actually got my start doing leadership development when a, when a guy called me after I had been doing some couples work with him and his wife. And he called me and he said, that thing you did with me and my wife. I'm like, that thing I did with you and your wife. <laughs> then, you then know, you're worried. What, what thing right? did I do? Thing, right. So exactly. I, and I'm like, he goes, I want to thank you. I'm like, that's, you're welcome. He goes, but that's not what I'm calling about. I need you to do that thing you did with me and my wife. Can you do it with me and my vice president? And that shifted everything for me because, you know, in clinical psych, you're trained to stay in the box, do it in your office, stay in the frame. And I'm like, it's communication. Yeah. Yes, I can help you. And I started going, actually, it was more like, sure. Like, oh, I didn't know. Uh, I, don't know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but I believed in myself and I believed in the work and I believed in this guy that was really, he wanted, he, I didn't know that he was really the president of a big organization in South San Francisco. And I didn't, uh, uh, because he was a dude and his wife, right? He was, right. he was just, and so we, when he invited me to come in, it was a big shift in the way I did things, but not in necessarily in what I did. 
which was let's define the values first. What do you believe in? And dear vice president, what do you believe in? And are they similar or are they, are they disparate? And, um, and how do you communicate when you disagree? And what are the working agreements? And so I, you know, we establish values and we establish working agreements. Like, this is what I believe in. Well, how do you want to say it? Well, I want to say it this way. Well, I don't agree with all of that. Well, does that make the person wrong or just the things that he's saying? Like, you don't agree with all of that. And so we get working agreements on how to engage so that it becomes a discussion and not a matter of fight, which is, you know, Brian, when you were saying, uh, a manager and his and his or her employee. It's like usually it's that it's that there's you're right that there's a, a lack of clarity around expectation. There's also a lack of clarity around around working agreements. Right. Like the person's not bad. My guess is the person is trying to do his or her job, um, but it's not coming out the way that you expected it. So let's talk about clarity of communication. Yeah. Um, what I expected, and I, I have a process. What I expected was this. What I got was this. What I do expect is back is that. So the third step then is, or the fourth step, like clarification of expectation. Expectation outcome is here's what we got. Here's the expectation. One more time. The fourth thing is what support do you need to get to that expectation? How can I help you succeed? And that's the that's the working process that I use. And I, I don't know how you go about it, but that's it's it's very it's very similar. And and I love how you you went from from doing it with with couples into doing it in the corporation. And yeah. and I I'd done so much in the corporation and I and I thought, you know, if this works, you know, between managers, why can't it work between a, a husband and a wife? And, yes. and my, my wife and I do some of the same things. And it, it's funny because as I'm talking to teams or, or individuals and I'll say, and I'll give them an exercise, you know, we use things like disc communication styles. Sure. I said, this works with your spouse as well. And, and I find my wife and I, we are better together when we're aligned on things. And so we, you know, every year we sit down at the end of the year and we plan what does next year look like? And we, you know, most couples fight about, you know, you, you're an expert in this fight about money. Yeah. And, and so my wife and I, we will sit down and we will figure out what the budget is for the next year. And then we follow that. And I can't get mad if I see her spending things that I don't think should be spent on, but we're part of the budget. And and it's all about that expectations and and I and I love I love how you you kind of paint it's the same stuff at home is is what we see at work they're just a little bit different audiences it, it's exactly right the I mean I, I'm a fan of saying that how you do anything is how you do everything and so you show up with your values and you've got to be very clear on what those values are and those values help you set the vision well the vision at home is going to be different than the vision at work. That said, the vision at home, most people will, and, and the vision for yourself personally, as an individual, most people plan their vacations with so much specificity. They plan their vacations more than they plan the next year or two or three of their own lives. And so 
you know, the fact that you and your wife have a, have a sit down. It's like, let's agree. This is what I want. You know, this, this year is the new car. This year is not the car, but the roof this year is the, you know, this year is the travel you've got, you know, kids that are, that are, uh, you know, they're in high school, high school. Yeah. Getting ready for college, which means this year is the year for trips to visit. Right. So you look at what does this year hold? And I think, you know, to translate that to the business, it's what does this year hold? How do we pull people together to keep them on track? When I work with couples and when I work with individuals, I usually recommend that every three months they take a longer weekend. It's on the calendar mm-hmm. um, because what happens, and this is true for everybody, whether it's at home or at work, when you create a novel experience, you grow together and you bond. Right. So. Um, well, I mean, to, to that to that point is, you know, I often work with with groups to help them put together, you know, a, a one or a two or a three day leadership retreat. Perfect. And and I want to understand, OK, what are your goals? I like to understand what are what are your primary goals? You know, for when you walk out of here, what do you want people to know, to do, you know, whatever that is. Right. But then I also like to understand what are those goals you may not talk about? It's like, okay, I, I want these three people to be able to communicate more effectively and because they're not getting along. And, and we'll put together some exercises, but I'll often talk to the client and I'll say, you know what? Some of the most valuable time you can spend is outside this classroom when everybody's sitting around the bar. And make sure you build that in because when I get to know you personally, and I get to know, oh man, Wayne went to when he went to uh, UC Davis, and I get to know about more about your kids. I see you more as a person, and it's harder for me to get mad at you because now you're a person as opposed to this kind of, you know, this title way off in a different department. And I and so I I actually strongly encourage just like build time in at the end of the day for the. For, for time at the bar, just where people can sit and, and get to know each other. Spoken like a true HR <laughs> VP. <laughs> Go to the bar with your teammates. That's uh, right. <laughs> uh, the truth is when you humanize someone, you it is it is very difficult to then characterize them or character assassinate them. That that uh you know, that they're a person they have. Yeah. And, and I was, I was teaching a class, uh, finishing up a leadership class at a, uh, a a good size technology company in the Silicon Valley yesterday. And I had about a dozen, uh, leaders, you know, managers and directors in the, in the room. And one of them was talking about, he goes, one of the values of the class is I get to meet people from other functions. And so you had people from R&D and you had people from marketing. And sometimes those two worlds, you know, do not do not go together. Yeah. And and now you can get that marketing person talking to the R&D to understand why did you build it that way? And then the R&D person can get to understand, okay, what is what's the client really wanting? And they get to know each other. So three, six, nine months down the road when there's an issue. Hey, you know, I, I remember meeting Wayne in that class. I'm going to call him up. 
Yeah. Uh, cause, cause it's, it, it, you know, as you talk about, it humanizes the situation and we're much better at that. That's why I think these last couple of years were hard because we're so used to doing everything over zoom. It's harder to make that personal connection. And, and so it it's, is. it's, it's good that we're, I think out, out of it for the most part. Well, I think, you know, a couple of things, first of all, the, you know, if you think back three, four years, it was put down the technology and go out and meet people pandemic hit. And it was, you can't go out. So you better pick up the technology so you can connect with people. And now we're, we're out of the pandemic and it's like, well, are we meeting on zoom or are we going to meet in person or, yeah. and you've got this hybrid mix and uh, leaders need to recognize that there is a bias for those in the office and it is really important that those that are remote or choose to be remote or uh, may just be so far away that by necessity they're remote, that they feel disconnected. And it's a really important, uh, it's got to be very deliberate to yeah. connect. Well, uh, and, and it's one of the big challenges that so many of the presidents of these companies are having. It's like- exactly. You know, the, a lot of the employees are saying, I like working from home. I want that flexibility. I don't have to worry about, you know, we're, you, we're both in the Bay Area. And, yeah. you know, and so an hour drive is an hour commute is not a, abnormal. And but the the collaboration has gone down. I was I was down at Google a couple of weeks ago talking to a friend and I asked him, I said, you know, what do you notice different now? Because he, he, he comes into the office five days a week, but a lot of people come in a couple of days a week. And he, he says the collaboration is much higher. You know, that, that serendipitous tripped by the water cooler where it's like, I can just start talking to you about something that doesn't happen on zoom. No, it's true. Um, so it is that balance. And it's the same thing with the client I was at yesterday that I was asking them and they, and they have to be in the office three days a week. And I said, do you notice a, do you notice a difference? He says, yes, there's, there's more conversations. There's more collaboration um, now that we're, we're back in the office. It matters. Um, and, and so if someone is remote, if you're hybrid, uh, it, you've got to create the incidental, right? It's gotta be created that way. You are listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell. You know you are bigger than the life you are leading. It really is time to attend to that thing you've wanted to do or have, but you've been putting off. It's time to step into that dream you've parked for someday. It's time to claim true well-being, both personally and professionally, without giving up the success that got you here. It's time to check out Dr. Purnell's signature small group retreat, the Exponential Success Summit. Explore ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. Seats are extremely limited as this is a very special small group event. www.ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. You said something else, which is kind of interesting. The you know, pulling people together. Um, uh, I highly recommend cross-functional team meetings. And we, 
in my years of OD of organization development, I would pull, I would deliberately create those. So you pull two to th two representatives from teams from different departments and divisions. You pull them into a meeting. And um, one of the strongest things I did was to do a modified SWOT strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats about each department by the other people in the room. Mm -hmm. And they, they were, uh, people found out like they, they'd get the thing and they'd read it and it'd be like, that's not what I do at all. So you think that that's a, a weakness of mine, but like, that's not even what I do. So now how would you, how would you manage the, the, the um, defensiveness? Cause there's a tendency where it's like, Oh, wait a minute. You, that, that's not me. As you were, you're talking about how, how do yeah. you, did you see that a lot? So uh, it's a great question. I start with uh, a premise, and uh, my TED. My I've done a couple of TEDx. The the recent one, uh, it's a year old now. Um, I'm gonna brag. It has almost two million views. One point eight million views on it. Uh, it's called "How a Parallax Perspective Disrupts Perceptual Bias." And that is a fancy way of saying we all have biases. We all have filters on, and we need to be deliberate about looking at things differently than we're used to. And, and so my premise is that we, we need make but one assumption in the world, and that is I am not seeing the big picture. That's the assumption. I don't I have that. all the I don't have all the information about the context or the or the situation. I don't have all the information about the other person and I may have some blind spots and therefore not not all the information about myself. And that means that we need to come to each situation with curiosity. So when I talk about starting with working agreements and values, I will open every session with what are the values? And what are the working agreements? Well, can we agree to stay curious? And I've gone all the way to the point of uh, bringing a curious George monkey and actually, mm. and actually sitting the little stuff guy on the table in the boardroom. And somebody will go, what's with the monkey? And I'm like, well, and someone else will go, that's not a monkey, that's George. And I'll go, right. And someone else will go, it's not George, it's Curious George. And I'm like, that's right. Um, and so it's a great question. What's with the monkey? You start with a question instead of uh, what a stupid monkey. You say, what's with the monkey? You start with a question. You stay in curiosity. You can't be in judgment. That's where we're starting. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, set the context. Uh, you know, I, and I, I love that, uh, you know, uh, for the book that I wrote, I interviewed a hundred executives. Um, and one of the things that a lot of them talked about is curiosity. Yeah. Is they have this, they have such curiosity to figure out, okay, what could we do? What's possible? And then they start to explore down that avenue. And, and I, I think of, you know, my, uh, my older son, he is so curious and I love to see that brain going and it's fun to be around curious people. Um, it can be tiresome as, as well, um, because they're always kind of, the brain's always moving around. So I, I, I love that thought about curiosity. And I love that, that you framed it and that you heard it from your execs as what could we do? 
Yeah. Uh, meaning that there's a positive outcome that they're not seeing yet, which is fantastic. Well, and, and what, what I think, and, and I hope this will raise it even more because I, I always like to look at what's the, what's the silver lining out of a, a bad situation. And, and I remember, you know, early on in the, uh, in the pandemic and I, and I had two kids that were home and, and, and so it was, it, it was not the, the greatest thing. Um, but I always like to see, okay, what is the silver lining in all this? And people were complaining, oh, our, our English scores are going to go down. Our math scores are going to go down. And, and I thought, you know, yeah, that, that could happen. Um, but what could also happen is it gets people to deal with change as well. So, I mean, how do you, how do you deal with change? How do you deal with adversity? So I thought that was a bigger skill. But, you know, if, if you kind of think back and, and um, to, you know, kind of like three years ago to today, maybe about three years in a month from today, is there were so many things that we said were impossible. Mm. And, you know, ha- had, had you and I gone to any of our clients and suggested that they have everybody work from home. And then even gone like one step even crazier further, say, why don't you try that this week? You know, I, I don't know about your clients, um, Wayne, but most of mine would have said, hey, Brian, you're nuts. Yeah. And, and as a, yeah. a former head of HR, had I gone to my CEO and said, you know, I think we ought to have everybody work from home and let's start that this week. He would have said, well, why don't we just start with you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and don't worry about coming back in. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry exactly. about work. And we're going to, you know, we're going to pay you. And, and so many things like that, at, at, we would have said were impossible. And, and you look back, it's like, we did it. I mean, did it. A, a, a friend of mine is, and, and I talk about this in a keynote that I, that I do, it, you know, a friend of mine um, is a CBS news reporter in the San Francisco Bay Area. And, you know, she was doing her newscast from home. Yeah. Um, so all these things, and I like to get people think back three years ago, and what did you say was impossible? And what did you do? And and it's that curious mind that kind of doesn't really recognize po- impossible. And, and one of the quotes that that I love it's once you stop thinking something is impossible, when you stop thinking something is impossible, you start thinking that it's possible. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm hopeful. You know, now that we're out of this crazy, you know, last couple of years, that when somebody says, "Oh, you know, you know, that's impossible," I'm hopeful that it's like, "Okay, is it?" Yeah. And, and that's that's really what got me to write the write the book. And you know, it's um, I, I I've done some, you know, been fortunate to do some gr- big uh, ultra distance endurance events. And one of them was run 200 miles around Lake Tahoe. And you, you being from California, you know Lake Tahoe and what that's like. And um, yep. it's it's all on dirt trail. It's you know you're out in the middle of nowhere. You're at elevation. You know sometimes almost up to 10,000 feet. And and I had a number of people say, oh, you know, I could never do that. And even something, you know, my wife and I took our kids out of school for a year and we traveled around the world. And as we were getting ready to go on the trip, some friends held a going away party for us. And a couple of them came up and said, you know, I could never do that. And that that thought of I can't do something 
just resonated with me. And, I, and so that's why, you know, the way I went out and it's like, I'm going to, I want to interview. I know what I've done in order to do some things yeah. that people say are impossible. I want to, I want to learn from, you know, uh, these other executives and ultra distance athletes. What did you do to do what so many people said? Oh yeah, I could never do that. And what is yeah. that mindset? Uh, and so that's what was just fascinating. Curiosity was a big thing that, that came out over and over. I love all of this. This is, you know, oh, I could never do that. And it's, it's like, well, that doesn't mean I'm not going to, right? Just right. you're putting limits on you. Yeah. And, and the flip side of that is, well, what if you could, you know, what if you could? Right. Um, or maybe you can't do that today. Today, Yes. But what could you do today or tomorrow to move you closer? That's awesome. Is, I teach martial arts. And so, oh, yeah. you know, so my kids, you know, the kids in the class, oh, I can't do that. It's like, yeah. yet. Right. You can't I, do I, it yet. Yeah. Um, right. It's, I, I love that. And that it's, you ne you never have yeah. doesn't mean you can't. Right. That it's like, it doesn't. Right. And so sometimes when people go, oh, I could never do that. It means I admire you for doing that, which is a very different statement. Mm -hmm. you know um and it's it's like why not you, it's just it's easy enough like you could <laughs> and, and, and we come up with all of these excuses of why why like oh i've never done it before and and, and when i hear that excuse i think everything in life that you have done at one point you have never done before I mean, exactly. Everything. And I and I've 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 posed this to people. I said, can you give me an example where that statement is not true? <laughs> and it's like yeah. everything in, in life, or you know, I'm too old. And and you know, I often I'll I'll use my keynote as a as an opportunity. I'll use kind of that 200 mile run as the backdrop of, of the, the the talk. And so people will talk about marathons. It's like, oh, you know, I'm too too old to run a marathon. And and I'll ask him, I said, you know how the, the oldest person to run a marathon was? And he was 100 years old. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm looking around the room and I say, I don't see anybody in this room that's a, a 100 years old. At least it doesn't look like it. So yeah. it's like, you know, we, we put these excuses in our head and you've got the you've got the psychology background to know so much more about that. Well, I look, you know, I look at some of the speakers that have been out there, some of the people that the, you know, you do keynotes, I do keynotes and it's like. There are people in their 80s that are still serving. They're serving greatly. They are inspiring. They're they're imparting wisdom. And it's like, I got time then. Like, right. There's still time. Yeah. You know, that's and that's one of the things is what's in you? What have you what have you not attempted before? And I, you know, that's the inspiration as as either an individual or as a company. What have you been? dreaming about thinking about but you haven't done yet yeah right i mean so many of the companies you'd be interested if this is your experience so many of the companies i work with and they say we want to put our strategic plan together and i said okay how far do you want to look out ah uh, we want to look out next year which you know that's not really strategic but all right i'll i'll work with you and it's like uh, you know maybe we're so used to thinking one or two or three years out <sighs> And how are we thinking 10 or 20 or 30 years out? I worked with one company and they wanted to look 30 years out. That's awesome. And, and you know, I feel fairly confident that what was set, you know, it's not going to get exactly that. 
but at least they set an idea of where they want to go in 30 years because big change often doesn't occur in one or two or three years. Right. You know, it it takes 30 years to have that that vision of of where you want to go. And and one of the questions I'll often start out with with groups is think about when you're 80. You know, if if I'm looking at an individual basis and um, you know, think about when you're 80, what are the things that you want to have accomplished or have 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 done? And, and then think about, will you regret not trying that? And it, it's, it's, it's a question my wife and I will often ask, and I ask individuals to do it all the time. It's like, if we're thinking about doing something big, like, okay, when we're 80, will we regret not, not doing it? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and, and I approach from a slightly different angle. Yeah. Tell me more. And, and that's, <laughs> tell you more. Uh, it's, it is see i i pair regret with fear okay and so i actually look for more an aspirational place and mm-hmm. it's like well what do i want not not what will i regret but what do i really want like yeah. you know the past is behind us it's there's some things that i you know i'm no longer teaching martial arts i'm no longer uh in my past i've run three half marathons my knees probably won't let me run another one I could walk one really slowly. I could still do one if I wanted. Um, I'm going to do something different. So, so what is that different? What do I want to do next? And and I think that when you work with companies, it's great to have a 20 year strategic vision mm-hmm. with a three year strategic plan, especially if you're looking at tech, because right. by the time you've hit that three year mark everything's changed. Everything's done. Like a year and a half uh, used to be a long cycle. Right. Right. And now everything's changing so fast. So to have a three-year plan is pretty, pretty good. Yes, Um, I agree. And I do that. I do that with individuals in small groups where, where I gather, I gather people and it's like, let's, let's really focus on what you want to have in your life and and therefore, who do you need to become? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's part of the strategy when you work with organizations as well, right? Yeah, no, that that's it. And I I like that three year plan, um, and that that long term vision. I I worked for one company and the found and and this was we were a software company, and we helped to to manage the document flow of a lot of pharmaceutical procedures. So if you were if you were a drug company looking to take your drug to market, there's so many so many steps and hoops you have to go through to get FDA approval. And our software managed those that process and kept track of changes to things of documents and and the founder of the company, he always talked, he goes, I want us to cure cancer. And, and he saw curing cancer and, and we had no doctors on staff. We dealt with no medicine, but the way he looked at it is we were helping drug companies get to market faster, which was going to help cure cancer. You know, one of the, the, the um, benefits was it was going to help get drugs to cure cancer faster. But it was that vision of instead of just looking at us that we're a document management company, we were trying to cure cancer. 
That's amazing. And so how do you paint that vision? And then, okay, what do we have to do in the next three years? What do we have to do in the next one year? What do we have to do in the next one quarter? Um, and and break, awesome. break things down. In terms of vision, it's one thing when you hire team members to work for a document company. It's another thing to hire team members and say, this is our vision. Yeah. We're not just processing documents. These documents matter. And again, this is like, how do you as a leader communicate these, this process, you're working on this document. This document could be responsible for how we break through something that's going to be literally earth shattering, like right. <laughs> it will affect well, the world. And it gives, it gives people a bigger purpose. I, you know, I, I, That's I'm, the whole point. I, yes. I'm working, I'm working with one client and, and we were talking about purpose and, you know, despite what seems to be going on in the economy, you know, it, it, good people are still getting hired and good people can easily leave your company. And so you have to give them a reason to stay at your company. And so I was talking yes. to this, this one president and and I was saying, kind of, what 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 is your employee proposition, or, or why why does this organization exist? And he said, well, if you ask the the founders, they'll say just to make money. And and I think is that going to get your employees excited? You know, yes, every company has to make money, but you know the the, the generation coming up now is they want to have more purpose than maybe you and I wanted in in our jobs at the time. Interesting. And and, and so it's it's like how do you how do you give some purpose to people? Yeah, yeah. From uh, from Gallup polls, um, mm-hmm. meaningful work has always been in the top two, right? And acknowledgement has always been in the top three. And so uh, uh, money pre-pandemic was around number five. Yes. So uh, post-pandemic, it is in the top three. And now the top three are, tell me that what I'm doing matters somehow. Like, give me meaningful work. Yes. Tell me that, that what I'm doing just like makes a difference to somebody. Number two is tell me that you see me doing it. Like acknowledge that, like, yes, you've given me this, this great work. Acknowledge that you actually see me doing it. Not at the end of the week, go, nice job, everybody. See ya. Yeah. Uh, but hey, I saw you do this thing for that customer. I saw you do this thing uh, on this document. I saw you do this thing. So acknowledge, acknowledge the work. And the third is pay fairly. Pay yeah. compared. Um, you know, there were two, <laughs> I, I did a, I did a speech for a, uh, the New York state business council actually. And, and, um, it was for HR and I talked, <laughs> I got everybody to lean in, uh, cause I said, there are two F words we need to be discussing. And <laughs> people are like, huh? F words? like this is HR. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, uh, yeah, the first one is flexibility. And the second one is freedom. And those are the key F words. Those are the key things that people want right now. Yeah. The pandemic taught us what our values were. And we need to be acknowledging that for our team members. Yeah. It's and huge. we... And we all have different values. And, yes. and, and I think that's important for a company to figure out what do they value, lean into that, hire people that have similar values yes, and, and be clear about it. Um, and and I'll, I'll tell 
I'll tell, uh, um, you know, employees the same thing, or, you know, I, I teach, I teach up at the, up at the university and, and I'll talk to people. It's like, figure out what's important to you and then look for companies that share that. And, and just because they don't share that value doesn't mean they're a bad company. It just means they're not right for you and, and get alignment now. Cause you're going to stay there. You're going to be more fulfilled there. You're going to be a better employee there. You're going to, everything's going to work much better. This is huge because what you just defined was alignment. And a lot yes. of times, a lot of times people like us, we've been in the biz a while, a few decades, and it's easy to go, well, let's talk alignment. Let's talk, you know, let's talk about collaboration. Let's talk about the vision thing. And it's like, no, no, let's define it. Because when you get clear definition of values when you get clear definition of um personal values against the values that the stated values of an organization and you say i believe in those now you've mm-hmm. got alignment and that's that is key and i love that you brought it up let's talk about we have um looking at the clock and so i want to <laughs> i want to make sure that we cover what we need to cover uh and give you time to talk about Let's talk about the the epic book. Um, you've got uh, a website to go to, but let's talk about epic and and what it stands for. EPIC is a yeah. great acronym. I love when I when I uncovered that uh, in some of your work, and I'm like, that's perfect, Brian. It's like really good really good. So well, uh, you know, thank you and I appreciate you uh you bringing that up and acknowledging that. Uh the so I, I had I had been doing some some big endurance at, uh, events and I was thinking it's like how do I do that and I wanted to learn from 100 uh, I wanted to learn from a bunch of other people. And so I interviewed the 100 executives, ultra distance athletes and executives because I think I see a lot of similarity between um, what high performers do either in sport or in, in work. And, you know, these were CEOs of companies or CFOs, kind of the C level. Um, and just ask them, it's like, how, how did they get to that? How, what, what do they do? And it, and I came up with five behaviors and that's what epic performance is. And, and the E is how do you envision the big things in life? You know, these people could see where they want to go long way out and they could, they could envision the future, both in their personal life, but also in, in work. The P is, you know, once you know where you want to go, how do you put a plan in place in order to achieve that? The I is how do you iterate to the plan? You don't start off running a marathon. You don't start off as the CEO of the company. You start off, you know, running two miles. Or you start off, you know, working in in the call center, and then you you iterate, you build your confidence up, and you work your way up into bigger and bigger things. Um, the the C is how do you collaborate with other people? You know, and we talked about that at the beginning of the show. It's I uh, you, we can learn from other people who've been successful, or learn from people who failed. And there there's, I can't think of a lot of things that are so brand new that you can't learn from, from it and you go from somebody else. Um, And then lastly, how do you perform it? So there's that, that epic performance. You got to go out, you got to endure the difficult times. You know, you gotta, as, as I look at the EPIC, the envision plan, iterate, collaborate, that gets you to the starting line of something big. The performance gets you to the finish line. 
and you have to endure the, the difficult times. You have to endure when it starts to rain or your feet start to hurt or you can't make payroll. You have to endure that. And what are the things that you can do? So that's that's kind of how Epic Performance came to be. And 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 each of the five, you know, I, I kind of walk through each of the five pillars and and how you can uh, how you can just get a little bit better. It's fairly practical. I love it. Um, of of what you can do just to figure out, okay, you know, I'm really good at iterating. Maybe I need to work on my envisioning and what can I, what can I do? You know, it's interesting uh, to land on iterate for a second. A lot of people believe in perfectionism <laughs> and it's like, well, I can't put it out because it's not perfect. Right. And, and it's like, well, you can't perfect it until it's out. Yeah. Um, right. So that's part of the iteration process is it's out. Let me refine it. Let me refine again. Let me refine again. And then let me collaborate. And it's not necessarily sequential, right? That you're, no. collaborating, you're collaborating in order to get the next iteration. Well, I look is you got to envision first and you got to perform last. Sure. Everything else can be done, um, you know, throughout the time. And, it, and it's funny you talk about perfection is very few things have to be perfect. You know, sure. and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm working with an executive right now and I, I've been coaching her for about three, four months. Actually, I'm, I think I'm going on five months with her right now. And she has these perfectionist tendencies. And I asked her, I said, do you think you can be perfect? And, and she said, no, I, I can't. I said, well, then it sounds like you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't need to be perfect. And in and 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 perfection, there's a big cost to go from 98% right to go to a hundred percent right. And sometimes that's not worth it. You know, you even you look at airlines. Yeah. You know, a, an airplane has redundancy. You know, that's why it has four air uh, four engines. That's why it has all those wheels, because if one engine goes out. You know, those engines aren't perfect. The <laughs> cost to get them to be perfect would just would be exorbitant and we couldn't pay, afford to fly. So they put four engines on it. And if one goes out, then the other three will work. But the we the cost of perfection is often off, obvious, you know, often not worth it. That was perfect timing. As you said that, my uh one of my lights went out. Um, so, <laughs> right. And, and I don't know if you saw that. Uh, <laughs> I, I did see a little bit of a like flicker. A flash. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have, I have lights. They are rechargeable lights and you're talking about redundancy. It's like, Oh, okay. Well, that went out. Let me pull this one and put it right there. So uh, yeah, we, we don't need perfect most of the time. Yeah. As my wife said to me, I think we were doing something and she says, good enough is good enough. So, right. So for me, the idea is that we, we are perfect. We are perfectly flawed and it's the flaws. It is the flaws that make us perfect because otherwise that's the uniqueness. Otherwise everybody would be identical doing the exact same thing. And that's a, it's like perfect according to whom. That's that sounds boring, huh? Right. And, and, and figure yeah. out where do you have to be great at? And where do you have to be? Can you just be good at? Yeah. Um, because you can't be great at everything. So that's right. You gather people who are great 
That's right. gathering the right team. That's right. the collaboration. That's the C in Epic. It, it, that's exactly what it is. That is, it's like, I am great at a couple of things, but I am not great at a bunch of things. And so when I need those things done, I'm going to go find somebody that's great at it. Yeah. The term is zone of genius. What mm. is your particular zone of genius? I love that. And allow yourself that, right? Live in your zone of genius and gather people around you who have their zone of genius and now you have a collaborative team of supporters towards, not towards you, but towards this end goal, yeah. which is awesome. So yeah, I love it. Really good. I love it. Um, Brian, this is awesome. I, uh, you and I will, will find a time to do lunch together because we're less than, we're like 40 minutes from each other, if that. I would um, love it. So here's a question, and, uh, and and I've just invited you to lunch on the show, so that's awesome. Um, here's a question is, what did we not cover? Because I want to make sure that you got what you needed out of being here. And, um, you know, epicperformances.com is the website that, we, that will show up in the show notes. That's how people can contact you. It's Brian Gillette. It's Brian with a Y. Yeah. Um, what what were you hoping I would ask? That I I, I loved this conversation, um, and and I, I I just I enjoyed the back and forth. So I I appreciate it. I I learned a few things, which is always makes it worth my time as well. And and I think I I would add nothing else on. I appreciate you kind of you know pointing people to epicperformances.com and you know connect up with me on linkedin or send me a note i always like to hear what big ideas people are uh, working on so it's been a pleasure it it has been a pleasure that's awesome um your book is over your shoulder on your you know on your desk back there that's awesome epic right. is that's right, right there that's right over your left shoulder the uh it's epic and it's is there a subtitle epic performance lessons from 100 executives and endurance athletes on reaching your peak there you go. Epic and it's on Amazon. On Amazon, wherever books are. Where, wherever books are, you can send me oh, a note. Yeah. And I, I'll figure out how to get you a copy. That's awesome. All right. Uh, Brian Gillette, Epic Performances. Thank you so much for being here. Truly. Thank you. I appreciate it, Wayne. All right. This is One Sharp Sword Cutting Through to What Matters Most. My guest today was Brian Gillette. And um, what a fun conversation. Uh, I am Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Exponential Success Coach, and we'll see you again here next time. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Breakthrough Success Coach and your powerful presence mentor.